We're back on the United podcast. It's your Sunday night, as and as always, me and Tom together to review all things United. Tom, we did fear this result, tongue in cheek. We were positive. We we're optimistic. Why? Why even have hope? Everton won Manchester United nil at Goodison Park. Clearly, you would have thought against Burnley, Everton struggled. So we we're shooing for three points. How wrong we were. Well, I think we're right. I think we all saw this coming. So, yes, we were wrong to sort of have any sort of hope and optimism. But at the end of the day, we knew this was coming. This was not a shock result. It's not a shock performance. And that is the worrying thing. Okay, we've been, I remember Sir Alex Ferguson in the glory days, going away to Goodison Park, you pencil in a loss. We always lose at Everton. It was a non-issue. Like, it was, okay, it's one of those games you put to bed and you move on and you win next week. But ultimately, we have Norwich next week and we have no confidence of beating the bottom place team at Old Trafford. And that is sadly where we are at. So I don't know. We're going to get into solutions and who to blame and how to fix the problem and all these things. Ultimately, nothing will change in my opinion. We're going to get into so many Eric Ten Hag debates over the next coming weeks. Is Eric Ten Hag going to fix this? Of course, he's not going to fix this. So I don't know where it is. The beer is empty. It's empty. I've got nothing left, mate. Nothing left. Did you finish your ice cream tub from last night, by the way? <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, almost ready to end it last night. Obviously, was, was at the pub with the Man United Supporters Club and got home about 12.30, 1 o'clock, got home, and the Arsenal match was on. So I just cracked open a beer, <laughs> opened a tub of ice cream and just said, okay, it is what it is. <laughs> See if I make it through the night. And um, look, when Arsenal lost that match, all oh, top four is back on. Then you wake up and you saw Tottenham um, did their job quite well. So... um. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it is one of those ones where we can hopefully now put top four to bed in regards of that hope. But ultimately, Tottenham will play lose next week. We'll win. Arsenal will get a draw and we'll think, oh, hang on, maybe at the end of the season we can make a run for it. But I think a lot of people are at the stage, and I'm sure it's a debate later. I'm sure you'll probably bring up as well what you prefer, European football or no European football. And I think the easy answer is everyone say no European football. I think this time next year when teams are playing midweek, we'll get very bored as fans. So it's an interesting debate. I see both sides of the argument, but, oh, Larry, I don't know where to go. All right. Well, let's talk about the performance and then we can go a little bit beyond that. So let's talk about the actual game. I don't want you to relive it. I'm not here to put you in a in a depression, Tom, so you have to open a, another tub of ice cream. But just looking at the performance, removing the emotion from the situation, where did it all go so wrong? Uh, was it tactics for you? Uh, was it just simply a lack of desire? What, what do you put it down to? Because it just seems to me every time Rashford would make a run, Bruno or Ronaldo just nowhere where to it. Someone's touch is heavy. Maguire's getting deflections that go into the back of the net. He does nothing wrong, really, in terms of the goal. Is it just a bad day at the office? Is it the players? Talk to me. Why did United lose 1-0 to Everton? I don't think what we try around, you're definitely not saying that, but you can't do a bad day because what's that, our 30th bad day of the season? Suddenly that's like a standard it. day. So we can't have the argument. It's one of those days which we could have 10, 15 years ago. In regards to where it went wrong, I know we don't want to sort of accept the first 10, 15 minutes were very good. United sort of dominated on the front foot, could have had a couple of goals and where it went wrong, not blaming him, but the best player on the pitch, Nemanja Matic, he's one mistake, caused the Everton goal. And I'm just thinking if that doesn't happen, United capitalise on their, opening, their good opening to the match and is, is it a different game? And ultimately, that's where it does come down. So often for me, well, it's a team game. Yes, of course, the team and the collective is so important, but the team is made up of individuals and so many goals we can see are off the back of individuals' mistakes. And Nemanja Matic has been very good when he's played for United this season, so it's definitely not a criticism. Players do make mistakes. Um, it's up for the team to sort of rally around and 
sort of makes make sure you sort of not punished for those mistakes. But again, individual errors cost us. Um, individual errors both in attack and defence, and that is where I point back to the question in regards to Eric Ten Hag: Is he going to fix someone's first touch? Is he going to fix someone's desire to close a ball down? I don't think he will. I think that's on the players and. It's a boring debate. I know people are saying, oh, you can't bring them up again. But for 10 years, this has been a problem with good players coming to the club and making the same mistakes, same mistakes for a decade. And ultimately, you do have to point questions everywhere and especially upstairs. I know people don't want to hear that after a loss because the player is the one responsible for the loss. I fully understand, agree and accept that. But how long can we just say, oh, it's the players every single week for 10 years? The players we want to sign, we're going to sign players this January, this transfer window the offseason under Eric Ten Hag want to say, yeah, they're the answer. They're the young, hungry players we need. We said that pretty much every transfer window. Yep, that's what we need. In two years, we'll be saying they're not hungry. Why on earth did we buy these players? Because they'll be infected with what is happening at the club. Mm. Interesting point. I was on another video last night, and I made the the point that when you when you look at United at the moment, it's... I think we could really – well, we saw some leaks with Eric Ten Hag, didn't we? We saw some leaks from Fabrizio Romano around he's making certain demands. He's given United his list of demands. And if those things don't happen, then there is a risk that this negotiation won't go ahead. And one of those negotiations was he demanded to be involved in current player contract extension talks, any summer transfer signings, and once a big say in the broader football project. So when we say – you made the point at the start of the video, Eric Ten Hag won't be able to fix this. Well, I'd actually argue if they give him the power he wants, which they have failed to do with every other manager who, is, um, who has been his predecessor, then I think he can turn this around. But if he comes in and he makes the decision, rightly or wrongly, Cristiano Ronaldo needs to leave or Bruno Fernandes needs to leave, then Manchester United just simply need to get behind the manager and allow him to do that. On, the, on your last point, they're 100% agree, but ultimately it comes down to these words that I don't, I don't care what journalist says, or he demands this, this is his 100% demand, this is going to be put in his contract, or what a manager comes out and says in terms of their ambition or what the club says in their PR line. Ultimately, he won't be given the power. It's all very, we get excited with pretending that he is going to be given the power. Jose Mourinho would have made demands. He wasn't, um, those promises weren't fulfilled. Louis van Gaal would have made demands. Those promises weren't fulfilled. Solskjaer would have asked for things he didn't get. The next manager, Ten Hag, will ask for things and he won't get them. We're, we get excited and I share the excitement. When Eric Ten Hag's holding his, the scarf up in his first interview in a few weeks, I'll be saying, yeah, we're about to turn the corner. But ultimately, we're going to see the same thing happen again and again. I know fans don't want to hear that, but ultimately that is the case. I can't see how this changes with one manager. Surely, even if you're the Glazers, I mean, they're not making football decisions. It, it, it's clearly not. I don't think Joel Glazer or Avram Glazer are sitting there. But they don't hold we... the people the people making the football decisions. The Glazers don't hold them accountable. So they pretty much are making the decisions. Okay. So while I agree with you, I think there's, unless I'm being naive here and you can tell me if I am, would we not be right to say that a lot of United's failures over the last decade are actually down to Ed Woodward and the way that he ran the footballing operation? Maybe with Richard Arnold and what we're hearing about him, maybe he is setting up the right structure and allowing the football people to make the right decisions. Look, there's no doubt, okay, there's different tiers. There's the owners, then there's the board in terms of Ed Woodward, then there's the manager, then there's players, there's different tiers. And all those um, have pretty much, you could almost say, equal responsibility across the board. But ultimately, yeah, in terms of Ed Woodward, and he 
clearly had the wrong direction in the way he went about business and his, I don't know what you call ego, a lot of reports do sort of did suggest he had a little bit of an ego about him and that control for power. Now, maybe it's naive and maybe it's a bit unfair to put Richard Arnold in the same bracket as Ed Woodward at the moment. I do want to afford him the time to sort of prove me wrong, but until he proves me wrong, unfortunately, it might be harsh. I might be wrong in doing so. Maybe it's just the frustration that's currently sort of happening. I do have to treat him as Ed Woodward. I, I, I don't believe a word he says. Now, fingers crossed, he comes out and proves me wrong. I'd love nothing more because that'll be the first step into some type of hope going forward. But ultimately... Call me naive, I just don't believe him at the moment. I think we'll know a lot by this summer. W- would that be fair to say? I mean, forgetting the footballing results, if we see a, a good chunk of players leave, which Ralph Rennick has already said, he's told the board what he believes needs to happen. You'd like to think if Ten Hag's coming in, he's probably on the same wavelength as Ralph Rennick. I think we'll know a lot by August whether this is a new direction or if it's much the same old, if a good chunk of those players from last night are still in the starting 11, then you have to think that obviously the manager isn't being backed. In regards to leaving, uh, I completely agree. I think whoever comes in, if we sign one player, if we sign nine players, there'll be a natural excitement. Look at every single transfer window, maybe except the Fred Delow and Lee Grant window, every single window since um, Louis Van Gaal came in, we've been excited. We said, yep, these are the players. They're going to turn it around. The big one now, and we'll do this. If we sign three players from Ajax and a player from Benfica, we'll say, yep, these are the players that I can see a future. Ultimately, the big decision will be, yes, in terms of letting players go and not renewing contracts with people who don't deserve them. (sighs) Who's next in line for a contract? Luke Shaw. Now, I don't want to bring Luke Shaw into a discussion because he definitely wasn't at fault for anything last night against Everton, but ultimately he looks like he's next in line for a contract. Is that the right decision? if you put up a percentage of Man United fans, I'd be happy to see Luke Shaw stay. Um, what do you reckon that percentage would be? I think it would be quite low. I think it would probably be less than 30%. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Well, that's, we'll not to say the fans are, that's not to say the fans are right in, in terms yeah. of that, but just, it's a, yeah, it's a hard one. Well, Shaw lacks that hunger, doesn't he? I mean, we, we've seen it. His work rate simply isn't there. And i got to say, I thought Tellez was awful. But in saying that, he works hard. And I know that's obviously not the be-all and end-all, but, you know, at least at least there is that. Where do you put yesterday's uh, blame at? Is, is that a lot? I mean, look, I think it's fair and you'd be naive if you think it's not mostly on the players. But what about Ralph Rennick? Let me ask you about, let me ask you about the German. Do, do you blame him at all for yesterday's result? Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the setup that you didn't like or any player selection that you disagreed with? How much do you put yesterday's loss to Ralph Rennick? Look, I think I wouldn't say Ralph Rennick has been found out, but at the end of the day, which all our concerns have maybe sort of risen to the surface now, he's not the he's not a world class manager. That's not his job. And ultimately, in terms of what ideally he'd be brought into the club for these a couple of months ago, wasn't to be a world class manager. It was to move into a football department, and that was going to be his job. So I'm not going to criticise him for not being Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola. That's why I'm not going to criticise other players for not being Roy Keane or Paul Scholes. He, he is who he is. I um, can't criticise him for that. And ultimately, you know, any manager. If I was a Manchester City fan, I'd question some things Pep Guardiola does. A lot of Liverpool fans um, question a lot of the decisions Jurgen Klopp makes. So I just think, yes, there are one or two things I will change that Ralph Rangnick does, but there's one or two things that he does well. Ultimately, this performance if you call it performance, if you want to discuss the football side of things or the effort side of things, it's 100% on the players, 100% this match against Everton. 
Have you ever, can you think in recent time where we've had so many players out of form all at the same time? I mean, Marcus Rashford. Sorry? Is it out of form or is it the level? I mean, look, with Marcus Rashford, I think there's a ceiling to him, but in saying that, he's much better than what he's showing. You can't deny that. I mean, the last two seasons, you look at his numbers. I mean, he's gotten over 20 goals twice. In assists, he's getting over 10 both seasons running. So you have to say then th- there must be an issue. There, obviously, there's an issue there. I mean, no, Harry no, Maguire, look, he's having a horrible time. There's quality players. So, yes, uh, maybe frustration will say, oh, it's not form. These are just the players they are now. They're not good enough. Well, ultimately, if they perform good enough, we'll sit here and say, well, they are good enough. And I just don't know the answer. That's where I look at the players and what do we expect from a new manager? Eric Ten Hag coming into a Marcus Rashford or Harry Maguire. Let's say he does want to keep them and he's happy with extending both their contracts and I making them key members of the team, <laughs> whether we can't see that or not. If that's the case, what's going to happen? Like, Can we see them reaching the levels of Liverpool and Manchester City in terms of quality? Uh, I can't see that. Like, that's not a manager's job in terms to improve a player's quality. They're not going to pass forward Aaron Wan-Bissaka and say, this is how you improve your first touch. Or they're not going to show Bruno Fernandes, okay, this is how I want you to strike a ball. But that's not what coaches and managers do. These players are elite-level players. They're, they've probably got more ability and knowledge on how to do those things than the coaches and the managers themselves. So you're not going to teach players the basics. Ultimately, you have to get players in that have those basics and the fundamentals. And these players do have the fundamentals. They're professional footballers. But ultimately, the clear as day, whether you understand football or don't understand football, you can see the difference in football at Manchester City and Manchester United. You only had to look at the two games we played against them um, earlier this yeah. season. So I'm lost, Larry. I'm lost. After every point I make, I just <laughs> you have to question your support for the club. I, I don't question my support, but God, they make it tough at times. Look, it'll turn around, mate. Hopefully, you're not having too many more tubs of ice cream. Um, where to from here, Tom? What should United do for the rest of the season? Is there a solution? Or if there's not a solution, what would you do different? Let me Actually, let me tell you what I would do first. And maybe you can tell me if you agree and maybe add any bits on top of that. I wouldn't pay, play Paul Pogba again. And, and I seriously mean that because he came out two weeks ago when we were in a top four race mathematically and said the season's dead. So as far as I'm concerned, get him the hell out. Don't put him on the bench. Tell him he doesn't even have to be at Old Trafford for a home game. Just go on holidays, mate. You're done. Get out of here. I'd also think give Hannibal a chance. He's been part of the first team setup. Play the kid in there. He's a midfielder. And I just think going forward, there has to be a youth player that's introduced on the bench, whether that's a Charlie McNeil, whether that's a Ganacho, whoever it might be. I, I think he, Ralph Rennick needs to start doing that. Yeah. Took the words out of my mouth completely. I think the first thing, not to blame anything regards the the Everton match on Paul Pogba, but just the Pogba situation. It's got to finish. Okay, the club does need to go in a different direction. And for the last, since Paul Pogba's arrival, that direction has been caved in the direction of Paul Pogba. And it still hasn't been good enough for Paul Pogba. He's needed this player. He's needed that player. He's needed this manager. We never have that debate about Bruno Fernandes. He doesn't need this player next to him or... Um, Ronaldo doesn't need that player beside him. Scott McTominay doesn't need this midfield partner. It's just one of those things. I think that Paul Pogba circus just needs to be put to bed and moved on. In terms of the kids, I 100% agree. I think it's look, it's so difficult now because mathematically there is a chance if Tottenham lose next week and we beat Arsenal whenever we play them, people don't like it because of the frustration. It's like we're firmly still in this top four race. I know it feels a million miles away, but ultimately when there is that chance, there still is a chance 
you can't just sort of throw in the towel. And unfortunately, if you throw a lot of the kids in, and I know you're not suggesting throw start five youngsters, but if you start sort of introducing these youngsters, there's two issues. One, you can just start losing the games because obviously they're young kids against professional footballers. So one, you limit your ch- chances to win the football match. And obviously, whenever Man United take the field, the goal is to win the match. But another thing is one of those signs, you look where why so many young players came through under Felix Ferguson and either had a career at United or elsewhere. One of the main positives for these young players coming through, they came in, had 20 minutes when they're 3-0 up, 4-0 up in a winning team with good professionals around them. If we introduce these young players now for their first taste of senior football in and around players who don't care and are not running in a losing environment, that's not going to set up set them up for success. You look at a Phil Foden now, like how Pep Guardiola held him back, held him back, was patient with him, and I assume every time Phil Foden came off the bench in Manchester City, I assume they were three or four nil up. So he was introduced like that. He wasn't introduced in a relegation battle. How many young players do you see who come through a club in a relegation battle make it at the top level? I, I, I don't think that is the case in terms of succeeding at the top level, like winning term, Premier League titles. So I do want to see these young players given a chance. Um, it just needs to be careful. You just think, well, what is there, five or six games to go, seven games to go? Can we maybe just wait six or seven weeks and not play them and just sort of give everyone a fresh start during pre-season? But then in saying that, when I do see the team lineup, um, I do probably prefer to see the youngsters over what I'm seeing at the moment. Well, that's the thing. I just I'm I'm looking at what's on that pitch, and it's not lazy to say that there is a lack of desire there from some of those players. I, I don't question. You know, I think Everton didn't beat United tactically yesterday. They just wanted it more. And like it or not, yeah, we've been so poor for the last 10 years. Teams turn up when they verse Manchester United. That's why we struggle. That's why we – I heard Ralph Rennick say, you know, with all due respect, a team that concedes goals to Burnley should be – we should be able to beat them. But I think where I question Ralph Rennick's comments there, Manchester United's your biggest game. It's your biggest game. Everton are always going to turn up for Manchester United. They're probably going to get belted next week. But we should know that as a big club, that players can get up for that. I saw Antoine Ferdinand on Rio's channel, and he spoke about this. He's like, whenever I versed the Liverpool, Man United and Arsenal, always had a good game. The reason he didn't reach the top of the game was the the Norwiches, the Aston Villas. He couldn't get up for those. Yeah. And, and that's the difference. So, you know, these players need to learn how to deal with pressure. And like you said, we dropped our heads after we conceded the first goal. Well, again, if you're caving in after conceding one goal to relegation threat in Everton. You don't belong on the in this club and you don't deserve to wear that badge. Tom, three, two, one's impossible task. Do we, I don't know. Can we do them? Because does this feel like a... We've had this debate too many times, Larry, but does this feel rock bottom? Well, I know we had that 4-0 loss at Goodison Park under Ligon of Solskjaer where that felt like rock bottom, but then there was maybe light at the end of the tunnel with Solskjaer getting his way and having the transfer window he wanted, which he didn't get. And I'm just thinking, is there is, is this as bad as it gets? Was the Europa League final worse than this? I just, I don't know. Where do you see it before we get into individuals of 3-2-1s? Is it rock bottom or can we drop um, further? Or uh, We definitely can. I mean, mathematically we can. I don't think United will finish below. I mean, the gap between us and Wolves at the moment is two points. Um I don't – I mean, it, look, it is possible, and we've got difficult games to end the season. If these Very players don't pull their – Yeah, I mean, we still got Chelsea. We, still, we got Chelsea at home. We've got Arsenal away, and we've got Liverpool away still to come. We've got Norwich next week. Well, the Everton result tells me that it's not going to be straightforward. I mean, I've seen us 
failed to capitalize against uh, Watford twice this season and Everton. So there's no guarantees. Oh, it's a difficult one, mate. Honestly, I think we can go lower. I really do. I think we can finish as low as eighth. Where do you sit? Maybe you want to bring it up after the three, two, ones if we want to get in there. But maybe the discussion for the end is in regards to what do we want? And I'm sure we're having plenty of these discussions in, in future weeks. But in terms of Europa League, Conference League, Champions League, no European football for a new manager. It will be interesting. But on the three, two, ones, Nemanja Matic, I thought, was the best player until he got subbed. But ultimately, his mistake cost us the goal. So do you give him points for that? And then that's not to criticise him, as I said, just one mistake. Wan Masaka, I don't know if he's worth two points or minus two points. I don't know if he was just busy and he was involved and I sort of saw more action in regards to Wan Basaka, but I don't know what to make of his performance. Other than that, who? De Gea didn't do much wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you what, and look, obviously a little bit of bias and everyone can have a bit of fun in the comments with me in regards to this. I'm not saying he changed the game or he was brilliant, but in terms of one matter, so many mistakes, which I alluded at the start of the podcast in regards to so many goals come off our mistakes. All our players, it was De Gea last season when he was in bad form. Now it's our back four and midfield or maybe the forwards in terms of converting chances. Our game is riddled with mistakes, individuals mm. with mistakes, and those mistakes end up costing us. One matter came on, and while he didn't change the game or was brilliant, he did not make one mistake. I think maybe he lost the ball once, and it was actually a bad pass. He put himself in a, Someone put him in a bad position. No mistakes. And I'm just thinking that is that is why I've been calling for so many years now to play him. Because you, if the team who makes the less mistakes will very likely go on to win the game. And more often you can have players like that on the field who just keep the ball and make the right decision. The right decision might not look fancy or flash or exciting, but we mm. make so many wrong decisions, both individually and collectively. And I'm just thinking that um, would be, would you have half an hour on the pitch? It's mistake-free. And we need more mistake-free football, but we're not going to get that, unfortunately. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I was watching Everton in that low block yesterday, and I saw, I mean, look at me looking on Twitter for solutions. Saw people saying, put Jesse Lingard on and so forth, put Hannibal on. And I'm just sitting there saying, this game needs a one matter. We need someone to just control the ball in the middle of the pitch and link up the play between the defense and the attack. I, I thought one matter would have been the perfect solution, but... Nonetheless, i got to say, I did think Ralph Rannick pulled Fred off because of tactical reasons. It turns out Fred was injured. He has a hip fit flexor injury, um, and him and McTominay now under an injury cloud. So who knows? Hannibal might actually get his opportunity. Or one matter, because we're simply running out of troops. Um, well, look, Rangie has a decision to make there. Okay, we'll just say that we're not confident going into the match next week at Old Trafford against Norwich. But at the end of the day, it is Norwich at Old Trafford. I think I'm not going to think less of Ralph Rangnick, but he needs to give a debut, in my opinion. Something to freshen up. Look at Anthony Langer, who I'm not criticise Anthony Langer, but I'm done with him in regards to looking for a future under Anthony Langer. As I said a couple of weeks ago in a video I did, good player, ultimately for Manchester United, nowhere near good enough, in my opinion. But when he did come in, there was an excitement, there was a buzz, there was a freshness. He has to do that again, whether that be a Ganacho, whether that be a Hannibal, whether it be a Charlie McNeil, because I have a feeling... Ronaldo could potentially be suspended for his incident post-match, so we won't have any strikers. Ralph Rangnick needs to freshen it up just for to keep him in the good books. If he's going to stay around as a, some type of role at Manchester United, he still needs fans on his side and he needs to do something because at the moment, through doing no, nothing wrong in, in his eyes, he's not actually doing anything wrong, but do something right. He's not really doing much sort of to win faith amongst the Man United fans, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you, you're, you're definitely right there, mate. Um, oh, look, on three, two, ones, I can't, I can't do it. 
I, I, can't I, I don't think we can do it. Just for the, the, the feeling and the, the message it sent out in terms of, as I said, look, maybe there are worse defeats and worse feelings, but it does feel, in my opinion, and tell me I'm wrong in the comments, but it, unfortunately I've had this feeling so many times, but it does feel the latest instalment of this is as bad as it gets. Just in terms of the effort and the desire, because Everton, the main thing you talk about tactics or quality, Everton were playing for something. They'll fight and hold on to something. They'll fight and stay in the Premier League. What were we fighting for? Every time we had the ball... Did we, create a, did we look like we... Obviously, the players want to score. The, the players want to go and win. But, my God, it didn't look like it. Just shoot from halfway. Do something. Like, get the ball near the goal. And it was just... We're just there was nothing there. There was that, no desire where Everton, ultimately, in my opinion, did beat us on desire. Football fundamentals, Tom. I just... Every time we saw a player in a wide position get the ball, no close option, no one getting close to that person to, to say, all right, here's the short ball so we can recycle possession. And then what ends up happening is you've got Rashford, who's got the heaviest touch in world football at the moment. I don't know what's happened to him. Bruno Fernandes, like I said, playing on an NBA shot clock, thinks he needs to set up or score a goal every 30 seconds he has the ball. It's just chaotic out there. I don't know what they work on in training. And that's the, that's the other worrying part. With, with no midweek game, you'd think they're working on things, but the second we can see it a goal, it's like they forget how to play football. It's phenomenal. In regards to coaching, we've had so many debates in regards to coaching, um, especially with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his backroom staff, and now Rangnick's come in and are the players happy with that or are they not happy with it? Ten Hag's tactics, but no, the team want Maurizio um, Pochettino because they're a few of my friends with him. All these reports about in regards to coaching, the only time post-Fergie I've, I've seen a style, and not to credit this style, not to say I enjoyed it, but Louis van Gaal, you could see what he wanted to do. Now, none of us agreed with that, but there was something there. I didn't see us under Jose Mourinho, okay, well, maybe quality in regards to how experienced players sort of doing their jobs correctly, but I didn't see a Jose Mourinho-style team in regards to the way he wanted to play. I just think we had quality players and we ultimately sort of clicked, not good enough, but enough to beat the opposition. Ralph Rangnick, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in. There was no sort of clear plan. I think our best football came sort of when we sat deep and used our sort of pace on the counter-attack. And under Ralph Rangnick, you take away that first 20 minutes or half an hour against Crystal Palace. What is the style of play? And that's not a criticism. Who, who should take the criticism there? Is it Ralph Rangnick and his coaches not getting the message across? Or is it the players not listening? But ultimately, it does look like you'd love to be a fly on the wall in regards to what does happen at training because it looks like nothing. It looks like they're just doing, they're just shooting drills, pass it up, lay it off, have a shot. And Can I be honest with you? I think Ralph Rennick got in there in his first month and you saw it. He played four, triple two. He played different ways. He tried to get them pressing from the front. I honestly think he gave up. I, I really do. I think he got in there and he said, these players are hopeless and I cannot coach these this squad to play my way. He's like, he must have realized he doesn't either have the time or they don't have the mental capacity to so understand that, the way he wants to that play. That sounds it. drastic. That sounds drastic. But when you I, when I hit you say that, I probably say, well, surely not, but possibly very pretty close to it. I think maybe. What? Well, do we press from the front? Do you do you watch us do that? We know what Ralph Rennick believes in in terms of his football philosophy. He's given seminars on it. So he, unless Ralph Rennick suddenly decided he doesn't believe in Gagan pressing football, given he was the one who introduced it into the Bundesliga, then these players either don't listen and he's accepted, I can't coach this bunch, they don't give a shit. I can't see anything else. Evidence tells me that. No, it, almost near impossible to disagree with that in terms of 
but but then I, th I look at it and we look to this bright future, which I sort of always come back to, and I, I hate coming back to it. But we look to this bright future ahead with Eric Ten Hag. He's going to have the same ideas and same sort of approach as Eric Ten Hag, as Ralph Rangnick, sorry. So is it going to get better if these players aren't able to be coached? He needs to. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think if Ten Hag, rightly or wrongly, if he believes a good chunk of those players need to leave, we just look. Tom, I, I don't blame Ronaldo. I, I really don't blame Ronaldo for this season. I think he's the first one who needs to get out the door. I really do. I just think he's such a big distraction for that dressing room. And I just I look at the comments that came out of Juventus with the likes of Buffon and Kalini and. Benucci and, and these are players who have achieved a lot granted they didn't win a Champions League like Ronaldo and you'd be right to argue well maybe it's them who are the issue but th there was comments by Buffon that I read earlier today and he talks about how Juventus made the Champions League final because they believe they were a unit and with Ronaldo they lost a little bit of that and I don't think that's his fault I think he's just because he's on this elite level in terms of what he's achieved in the game, and yeah, maybe a little bit of his ego and the way he plays, maybe there's just a little bit of that. And I think while Ronaldo personally has had a good season, I mean, not perfect, but in terms of goals, you can't argue with that. I think he's such a distraction for, for some of these players. I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Bruno, Rashford, I mean, Martial, not so much. But I don't think with Bruno and Rashford specifically, I don't think it's a coincidence that they've had their worst seasons in a United shirt. And Harry Maguire's performing worse, maybe because his captaincy has been undermined. Look, there's definitely that, and a lot of people do make that argument, and it's valid. And I, I say definite, I agree in many parts with it. Ultimately, I do come back to the part of it in terms of, look, Kalini and Buffon and those players at Juventus. I remember all those comments when Ronaldo left and they were sort of weighing up what his time at Juventus. They ultimately came out a few months later and said, geez, we've left a little bit of a hole when Ronaldo left in regards to his leadership and the standards he does carry around the training ground and maybe they could do with that this year in regards to Juventus. But there is that argument in terms of the distraction, regardless of what you think on the pitch. Okay, we better tactically with him or tactically without him. Has he lost his legs? Does he still have his legs? All those arguments. But ultimately, I, just, I come back to the thing, if a player isn't happy with Ronaldo's standards, they're the one with the issue. And now the argument does is, as I said, very valid in regards to, okay, the destruction just, well, like a Paul Pogba situation. Pogba was our best midfielder. Ultimately, he should be first out the door just because we need to just move on from that. Ronaldo's our best player. Maybe it is too big a distraction. Just get rid of him. But um, as I said, though, that's another thing where there just simply is no answer. It's the wrong decision to get rid of our best striker. It'll be the wrong decision to keep our best striker because the implications are sort of cause, are caused from that. So... A mess, Larry. Just a mess. Indeed. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. I hope you've all enjoyed that really depressing half an hour. But look, I think I'll look at it as a therapy therapy session, Tom. You got to have some ice cream. I got to have some air fried chips at 1 a.m. And we'll, we'll move past it. Like you said, surely it can't get worse. Until this side might surprise us. Maybe they'll find a new rock bottom. They're playing on my birthday. So please, United, let me go into the, my 28 years on this earth with a, with a bit of grace. Please, it's Norwich, all Norwich at Old Trafford, you just... It's got a draw written all over it. It's got pain written all over it. Whatever happens, even if we win, it'll be one of those, just, oh, God, can the season just end? Do you remember that Louis van Gaal 1-0 yeah, win? I was discussing Norwich? that at the pub last night. It was one matter. It was a late winner. In terms of chase for top four, <laughs> huge goal, one matter weight, Norwich, late winner. I thought this should be a huge celebration. It was a Sunday night at the pub, and there was about 10 of us at the pub watching. So it should be this huge celebration, late winner. 
And we all just sat there for that final couple of minutes. And when full time went, we just said, God, thank God that's over. Let's go. <laughs> there, there, there was no joy at all. <laughs> Not just Such a boring game. <laughs> that was a couple of years later and we're back at it. Oh, anyway, mate. Pleasure. I hope you've all enjoyed the video. Make sure if you are new, hit that like button uh, and, and subscribe because change is coming. Isn't it, Tom? That's what's the, that's the rumor out there, mate. That is the rumor I have heard. Change is coming. Uh, th- there you go. Maybe there's going to be change at United, maybe a bit of change for us as well. Hope you all stay tuned for that. Tom, hopefully we'll be back tomorrow. Let's see what, what news is out there. I'm just going to go back on the Eric Tanhag optimism train. He's the solution to all our problems until we're three months in in October in 2022, calling for his head. But until then, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Always, mate, always. All right, cheers. Have a good one.